bonjour, ciao, and how you doing, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who identifies as neither. My name is Ali Weiss, and welcome back to another episode of Tales of Taboo. This show is an investigation into and celebration of what happens behind closed doors, and it focuses not on me, but around your stories, wants, and needs. Today, I have a very special guest with me, blonde bombshell, master Negroni maker, comedy (laughs) enthusiast, and my dear friend, Vivian Cole. Vivian also happens to be a very successful and well-known independent escort. Say hi, Viv. Hi. Everyone do a polite PGA clap for Viv. (laughs) That was honestly too hard to be a polite PGA clap. Um, For starters, is that how you like to identify yourself professionally as an escort? Because I know some women identify as providers or companions. Is there a difference between all of those terms? Um, I... I personally prefer escort, but depending on who I'm speaking to and whether or not I think that they will understand what that word means, (laughs) I might. I think sex worker sounds kind of gross, like you're mopping up (laughs) semen or something. Um, You work in a peep show. (laughs) Yeah, it is like it sounds like you're in a hazmat suit. Like I don't, I don't know about it. So, but like the other day, I was getting a facial, and the woman asked what I did, and I said I'm a sex worker because I figured she wouldn't know what an escort was necessarily. Yeah. And sometimes if I say escort, they're like, so does that mean so? Uh, and they like uh-huh. need you to like fully <laughs> define it. It also for them. kind of has like cotillion vibes, you know, like when you think of like an escort, which I like, which is like which is sophisticated <laughs> and waspy, but like there definitely is this like connotation or this image of like a man in a suit with his arm out, like Perfect. taking you somewhere. I'm <laughs> <laughs> candy. Um, yeah, anytime I stay escort though, they're like, they need me to define what happens on the date and mm. like, uh, what exactly is exchanged. So sometimes if I just don't want to have the whole back and forth on that, I'll just be like, I'm a sex worker. And then they, that just kind of shuts them up. <laughs> it shocks them into submission. I, get it. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I prefer to say escort, but it just depends on the scenario. All right. Well, nothing shocks me, so we will <laughs> stick to that. And guys, who is better equipped to give you advice on intimacy and love and especially self-worth than somebody like this? Hmm? No one. So I put a question box in my Instagram stories and I said, ask us anything. And today we are going to break down all your most burning inquiries. You ready to get into it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's not sure. <laughs> She's like, is it too late for me to back down? All right. So let's start with the basics. How do people find and book you? Um, so social media is probably the biggest way. It's a little hard to track because it's an, you know, it's an expensive purchase. Yeah. So I feel like people don't just spontaneously book me as if they're going out to eat at like the Olive Garden. <laughs> they kind of plan ahead and what am I in the mood for today? Breadsticks <laughs> and a blonde. Yeah. So I feel like they kind of follow me. It'd be like, I don't want to compare myself to, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> I just think that they may find me on an advertising website, but then for several months, they'll follow me on social media, kind of figure out if I'm like the right fit for them before they actually pull the trigger. So it's hard for me to tell how much comes initially from advertising versus social media, but every single client I see mentions my social media. Mm. So I know at some point along the road before they booked me, that's what they were looking at. Um, so, and that's really common. Like the whole industry is like largely on Twitter and more recently 
kind of moving over to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where I, that's where I find them all. And something I think is really interesting is when most people think of like sex worker social media, I think they underestimate how much your personality is a draw for your clients and how the lifestyle that you project, especially on Instagram, actually adds to like your overall appeal. And I think you do such an excellent job of simultaneously you know, curating your aesthetic, but also giving a very authentic version of who you are. It's like I told you before we started recording. I think people who want to be in your presence know that they're going to like chat with you and that you're smart and that you have something to say other than just like, you know, but yeah, I love your dick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think most people want to have something in common. They don't want to feel like they're going to be awkward and uncomfortable and not knowing what to say to you. And, you know, I think you want it to be as close to, traditional dating is pop up, you know, yeah, in terms yeah. of connection anyway, like yeah. we want to have things in common. And so it's funny because anytime I post about like a new interest or travel destination or restaurant, I'll get messages like, oh, we have so much in common. Like yeah. I also, I also <laughs> love that restaurant. I also love skiing, you know? <laughs> and I think that makes them feel comfortable to pull the trigger because it's like, oh, I'm not going to feel incredibly uncomfortable on this date. Yeah. This is someone that I actually can talk to and like get to know. Yeah. It's like the same thing as if you're using Hinge. Like I'm not about right. to go out with someone who identifies as a plant dad. Well, like I will not do that. And so like <laughs> if someone's not seemingly aligned with your interests, why the hell would they? Well, that's why I never got into Tinder was because people don't really write anything about themselves on mm-hmm. it. And so it's like, yeah, I could be attracted to what you look like, but that doesn't mean I'm going to have anything to talk to you about. Yes. So if they didn't put anything on their profile, I don't know what I'm responding to. Yes. I'm responding to the fact that you have like floppy hair. Yes. Um, so anyway, I think that the, the whole social media situation does really help draw in people that you are actually compatible with. Yeah. 100%. And someone asked where the wildest place you've ever met a new client has been. I'm assuming that this person is referring to like offline and whether or not you've ever met a client out in the wild, so to speak. I'm not particularly into freestyling because I have a fear of rejection. Um, <laughs> just why all of my dating has been online dating, um, work and I personal. Love you. <laughs> um, but I have like occasionally I've picked up clients on flights, um, people I was sat next to. I also, but like, that's not wild. That's sort of predictable. Um, yeah. Well, if you're sitting in first class, <laughs> I, I will say that. This is wild, but it's not in person. Um, I do think it's funny though. Uh, this Republican politician found me because he was sort of sizing up the competition and he was looking at Bernie Sanders' Twitter feed. And I guess he looked, Bernie had posted something. And so this guy clicked and looked at the likes. And he just kind of scrolled through to see, like, what demographic of people are liking Bernie's tweets. <laughs> Sex and, worker! <laughs> and he, he, like, saw me and, like, liked my little tiny thumbnail and, like, clicked on it. He'd never even thought about booking an escort before. Incredible. So, yeah, he really just stumbled into that one. But, yeah, I thought that was – that's probably the most unpredictable place. No, that absolutely <laughs> qualifies as wild. That's some wild shit. Do you end up seeing this guy? Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. It was really fun. That's so good. He probably felt like he was literally fucking Bernie Sanders. Which I'm sorry, I don't want to make you spit off your champagne. 
Um, someone wants to know if you've ever had a scary experience with a client. And a lot of other people also ask what your screening process is like before meeting someone new. I think those kind of go hand in hand. So that would be interesting to discuss. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really lucky to say that I've never had a scary experience. Um, and that is because the screening process is so kind of airtight and I've probably left a lot of money on the table just saying no to clients who weren't willing to provide me with what I needed screening wise. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're like, I don't know. I think a lot of people with the privacy thing and being worried about that information getting into the wrong hands and that's fine. I understand them not wanting to give, give over all their personal details, but I'm just not willing to take the risk. Um, being alone yeah. <laughs> in hotel room with a total stranger who I know nothing about. Uh, so my screening process is there's two ways to do it. And I will like, I will try to work with people if I, you know, if I think that they are making an effort. Um, some people are just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And it's like, okay, it's then like, I'm cool. See you never. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they're like actively looking for ways to like, give me, you know, find a compromise on what they can share with me that makes them comfortable and makes me comfortable, then that's something I'm willing to work with. But uh, generally, it's either two references from other girls in the industry that they've met before, um, which it's funny because some clients don't want to share those, even if they have them, because they're nervous that, I don't know, they'll make some girl upset Mm -hmm. or like hurt their feelings Mm -hmm. or make them jealous. Um, Other clients are totally happy to share it, not worried about that factor. Um, And that kind of keeps their employment information from getting out. Um, Because if you don't have references, then I ask for your employment information. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really, I've never had to use it. Yeah. Um, I don't even know exactly what I would do with it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it is just this kind of safety net of like, no one is going to murder someone when you, <laughs> yeah. you know where they work and that's yeah. in your inbox. Of course. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just like a little something. And it also, I like being able to walk into a date having a rough idea of who I'm meeting. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, screening is super important. It just occurred to me, this is not a question someone submitted, it's just mine. If someone were to go with the path of giving you two other girls in the industry that they've seen, obviously, you're a sex worker and you exist in that world. But do you ever kind of get like weirded out and go like, oh, this person is like hiring escorts often or like this person might be um, like addicted to hiring escorts. I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, does it ever put a sour taste in your mouth that somebody might be more of like an expert John rather than more on the amateur curious side? Um, I don't don't think it would bother me so much as it would just put them into a category. Like I would be like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, I might also be a little more cautious about what I say to someone like that because Clients who see a lot of girls are often gossipy Mm. and, you know, kind of want to talk about who they know and what they, you know, then that kind of, that puts a sour taste in my mouth. But if I meet someone who's seen, you know, seen a ton of girls and, you know, they exercise some decorum, (laughs) (laughs) then I, you know, I have no issue with how many people you've seen. Um, That's interesting. So are there like escort groupies? Yeah. Uh, There are. Escort connoisseurs, I would say, like people who fancy themselves connoisseurs, where they'll come and tell you, like, well, they'll kind of bitch about 
what a girl did wrong and like their opinion of her, like give you kind of like a live review <laughs> and that I did not ask for. Of course. <laughs> and that makes me kind of nervous because it's like, what are you saying about me? Exactly. Um, anyway, th- there's no problem with seeing other, as many people as you want, as long as you're not spilling people's details. Yeah. Um, like sometimes the guys will like want to show off that a girl has shared her real name with him or, been to her real address or you know yeah. just show off how much like information they've gleaned yeah and that to me is very tacky yeah it's that's like, gross but do you think that they do that as a way of showing you that they're trustworthy or right, do which they do that ironically does right it's it. like no actually <laughs> you strike me as like unsafe like th- like i've had i can't tell me how many guys have said to me like yeah well sarah oh I only know her as Sarah. Oh, and I'm oh, like, okay. I, and sometimes it's so funny because I know that's not actually her real name. Yeah, it's like yeah. she gave them a fake <laughs> real name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just so funny because as soon as they do that in an effort to make me like open up to them, I'm like, okay, I'm never telling this person anything. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't want getting out. Yeah. Um. So yeah. If you're out there and you're booking lots of girls, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. <laughs> good advice. I think we all should just keep our mouths shut about everything. Um, this was a good question. How much? Says the talk show host. Says the talk show host. <laughs> says the person who literally can never shut the fuck up, <laughs> even with Adderall. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I love you. You keep me grounded. Um, how much of your job is emotional labor versus physical? And I love this question because obviously there are things I know through being close to you and the stories that we share, but I hate this idea that an escort is like a sexual object and that's all they are. Like for whatever reason, as progressive as we are as a society, especially in like major metropolitan areas, I don't know why people can't get it into their heads that like so much of hiring an escort is wanting like a a special experience away from like the mundanity of everyday life. Mm -hmm. So in your world, what's the kind of percentage balance there? Uh, Mine's pretty high on the emotional scale. Um, But I think a lot, like a big part of that is mm, the way I market myself because I'm, I show my face and I, I'm pretty open on Twitter about what I'm up to and I don't have like a a ton of privacy. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that people who want a real connection are more drawn to someone who's more open. Um, I think if you're posting photos of yourself where you're like spreading on a bed and you don't really like, like I'm posting articles, I'm like retweeting the New Yorker and things that I'm interested in music I'm listening to and I'm allowing people to get to know me. Mm -hmm. If you're not sharing any part of your interests or your personal life, the people who are there for a physical experience are going to find you. Got it. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a spectrum, spectrum within the industry. I think I'm pretty companionship focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I have a high libido, so like (laughs) (laughs) sex usually happens, but it's, uh, you know, especially people booking longer dates, like, they want to sit and have a bottle of wine or go out to dinner or like often I'm traveling with people. And so you really are getting to know them on like a deeper level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of that emotional connection, again, this is a question I'm just coming up with now, but do you find that most men who want to talk feel as though they have nobody in their quote unquote real life who wants to listen to them? Or do you feel that it's more, 
they can't like express themselves the way that they want to in their day to day life. Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to want to have sex that you're not having in your real life period. It's another thing to, you know, want to like explore certain things that you're not given permission to. But I always wonder, like, and this is generally on an emotional level, like, what are we given and not given permission to discuss in our day to day life? And what might make someone want to hire you to explore that? You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Well, I think you like in your question, you kind of answered it. Like, I think the clients I see, it's sort of twofold it's yes often they're not their their marriages or their relationships have turned more into a partnership and that like romantic spark isn't really there Mm -hmm. no one's like getting to know them or showing a lot of like that flirtation and that sense of like novelty is gone um but then there are a ton of people who feel like i'm a judgment-free zone Mm. and it's funny because they they say they feel like they can say anything around me, and they're often not saying anything that risque or that shocking. It's they're not really confessing much, mm-hmm. um, but for some reason they can. And sometimes it's people who are dealing with like a lot of trauma or maybe even like loss, like you know losing a, a parent or a partner, and they just don't feel like they. Maybe they feel like they have to be like the solid rock at home, and yeah. they can't really like be vulnerable. I yeah. think that sometimes talking to someone who's completely outside of their social network kind of can't get back to anyone. Mm. They can be like a more honest version of themselves. They don't have to like put up a yeah. strong face. Yeah. Um, so I get a lot of, uh, yeah, I end up having a lot of really deep conversations with people who just see me as like a vault. Yeah. Um, so I actually really enjoy those conversations. Well, you also have just even being friends with you, that kind of energy. I mean, I remember the night we met when we went for drinks right away. I was like, we obviously weren't as like gushy and intimate as we are now was the first time we were meeting. But I do remember thinking to myself like, oh, yeah, I can be myself around this person. And I, I don't know, it's hard to describe why that is. But I just think that like your at least apparent comfort with who you are kind of has like a trickle down effect on other people i think that's nice (laughs) you're welcome i'm here all week (laughs) um so on the topic of emotional labor and intimacy somebody wants to know if you let clients kiss you yes um i don't think i know anyone personally in the industry who doesn't um i I don't know. I'm personally a really big fan of kissing and mm-hmm. I think that it sort of builds the excitement and the more you can kind of like draw that out. Um, I think it would be really hard to kind of have a strong, like, I don't know if I could have chemistry with someone if I didn't kiss them. Yeah. That also is the first sign to me of whether someone's good in bed or not, if they're a good kisser. Ah, that's a good point. I think it's really hard to be good in bed if you're a bad kisser because it just sets everything off on this like awkward foot. Um, I'm also just like very gushy and affectionate and I like touching and I don't know. Yeah. It's all kind of tied together. But I think that's great. And I think that that contributes to you having like the overarching aura of like being a welcoming and accepting person. So somebody asked the question, how often are you actually attracted to your clients and what do you do if you're not? And I want to rephrase that question a little bit and ask you, what is your process for like finding something to like in all of your clients 
if they are not necessarily the kind of person that you would go for in real life. Because I actually want to give you some credit. I think you're quite good at doing this. Whereas if I were in your position, I'm so like impulsive and decisive. I would probably be like, I can't. <laughs> and just throw my hands up. Um, I mean, to start with, I don't have a specific physical type. Um, if you look at like the lineup of my ex-boyfriends and people I've had sex with, uh, they really don't have very much in common physically. But what they do have in common is they're like mostly very sweet, sensitive, mm. self-deprecating, very self-deprecating. Yes. I hate name dropping and arrogance yeah. and like it's easy in New York for confidence to breathe like oh, yeah. to go over the over the top. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um so I've never been someone where I'm you know, you tick certain physical boxes for me. Um, I will say that I have had some clients who are just objectively attractive, like mm-hmm. made me nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, even recently in Chicago, there was a gorgeous, like six foot three Italian wearing like, I'm going to butcher the name of this designer, Boglioli. There's one next to Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think that's right. Yeah. Boglioli? 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 But it's like, yeah, Bolioli. Like, <laughs> the thing is, I've never heard anyone say it. I've just seen the label. I'm going to um, Google it. But, uh, oh, he was so, like, tan and, like, kind of shaved head. Oh, my God, hot. Very handsome. Um, also, everyone in Chicago has a huge dick. What? <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't know, like corn fed. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you think there's something <laughs> in their food? Like, all the GMOs they're eating just, like, gives them a huge dick? Who knows? They're just very strapping there. Okay, so it's spelled B O G L I O L I. Bolioli. It kind of sounds like that pizza that they sell in the grocery store. It doesn't Bogli. sound very sophisticated, to be honest with you. However, like the clothes are it's cheap. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. so I have had, I do have very physically attractive clients. Um, a lot of them, interesting, a lot of them are very attractive, but wear like golf yeah. clothes. Yeah. Which I do not find. Yeah. Attractive. Classic straight man. Um, just like ill-fitted khakis and Ugh. golf shirts. Ugh. Um, but I'm very forgiving of that if you're self-deprecating. <laughs> as long as you know that what you're wearing is heinous and you say it out loud, whatever, babe. <laughs> um, no, but like wh- one thing that, um, I think, being an escort has helped me hone is really almost barely rec- like registering their physical appearance <laughs> for the first 10 minutes and just listening to what they have to say and deciding like, do I like your personality? Yeah. And that's, you know, if they're funny, if they're sweet, charming, a little bit bumbling, I love bumbling. Oh um, my God. You and I are stark <laughs> opposites. I'm like bumble around me. It's over. And I'm also, I'm so vain. Did you stutter? I was like, oh, did you, yeah, what? You can't get it out? Oh, why have you never read a book? Um, but also I'm just, I'm so vain and I'm so materialistic. It's like in the first 10 minutes, that's the first thing I notice about a person is just like sizing them up. I'm like, are you hot? And this is why like you talk about your type being just like sweet and like general. I'm like, this is why you've had a string of very successful relationships that I've had a string of very <laughs> unsuccessful ones because I don't know what to go after. I'm trying to change. Yeah. Terrible. But, it, you know, I had to. Um, if, if I was only willing to go on dates with extremely physically, you know, fit, gorgeous, chiseled, whatever, like, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and that is not to like make fun of any of my clients. I think, I think a lot of men are very handsome and just poorly styled. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can start like a, like a, like a subdivision of your business. That's styling. <laughs> Honestly, I think that you could do that really well. Um, but away from the physical, somebody wants to know how do you navigate difficult personalities like quiet types, which I, it seems like you actually might like. Love quiet types. Annoying or self-involved. How do you not want to absolutely shoot yourself? I don't get that many of those people, luckily. Um, I really do click with, I would say, 80% of the people I meet. Mm. But at maybe once a month or every other month, I'll kind of get one person who just really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And there will be that moment, like while we're having drinks, where I spend about 10 minutes figuring out whether I'm going to go ahead or just tell them I don't like them. <laughs> <gasps> Is that, have you ever done that? Is that allowed? Um, yeah, I have. Uh, not often. I think, yeah. I, I think I've only fully left maybe twice mm-hmm. or made them leave. Yeah. Um, once recently, I had like a very kind of sweet turnaround where um, this guy was just being so obnoxious, just name dropping. Everything was about country clubs and Ugh, playing private. And, like, and it was just so over the top and it was really, really bothering me. Um, and so I got up to kind of collect my thoughts. I went to my bar and was making myself a Negroni just to buy myself like two minutes to decide what to do. Because I just couldn't see myself vibing with that the person. Yeah, yeah, it was just like this is not going to go anywhere nice. Yeah, yeah. Because when someone's arrogant, this weird switch in my brain goes off where I just want to like take them down a notch. Yeah, and so then I'm just mean. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then you become a dom by accident. Right. It's like I go from being this like I'm very affectionate to like sweet like yeah insecure types yeah but if you're arrogant i want to do the opposite yeah um so i was sort of like trying to collect my thoughts and making this drink and with my back turned to him i just said are you nervous and he goes yes i'm very nervous <laughs> started, that's like, all you said yeah and suddenly his whole disposition changed he wow. became very vulnerable and i sat down with him and he kind of opened up about like why he was doing this and what why he was so nervous and it suddenly all made sense why he was like shoving all he was trying to like impress me cuz he was, he was so nervous yeah and so then i was able like once he was like being sweet i was then able to be kind <laughs> did you notice that he had like a completely different personality after yeah you it was, down that wall yeah he went from being this like puffing his chest obnoxious to like sweet and open and like yeah I, I, then i really wanted to get to know him oh man there's became- a valuable freaking lesson here women don't like it when you're like pounding on your chest and acting like a pretentious caveman like i hate this idea that vulnerability like whether that's through being kind or even just like admitting that you're nervous whether it's in this kind of situation or a traditional dating situation you've heard of this term simp right from the internet i've heard of it i can you define it? Basically, so Gen Z, it's a Gen Z term, but a simp is like somebody who just like kind of like says yes to like whatever a woman oh, wants right, and basically right, right. like licks her feet. It's, it's, yeah. it's like a version of like a it's sub. It's like a pick me. Yeah, kind, kind of. of. And I hate that, not because like a, the real idea of a simp doesn't exist, but I think it's translated into like any guy who's like a little sweet and sensitive and soft, like gets just deemed a simp, which like I hate because going in the complete opposite direction of that and behaving like the way that your client did is actually like 
the world's biggest turnoff versus having somebody be like, hey, I just want to like admit to you I'm a little bit nervous. That's hot. Exactly. It's just doing that whole puffy chest thing. It's just, it's a version of lying. Yeah. I I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but like I like authenticity. Honesty is really important to me. Like it's so much more interesting to have like a real conversation based on what's actually happening rather than someone just, you know, putting on like a whole facade. You can't actually get to know each other. So what's the point of even trying? Right. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting like turn of events. So I do try like when someone is doing that name droppy, arrogant uh, machismo thing, I try to be patient and just tell myself they might be nervous. Um, and just see if I can get to the bottom of it. But sometimes it takes too long. Like yeah. in that date, we ran out of our two hours and he was just like, okay, you've given me a lot to chew on. Uh, and, but then he booked again and like, we're going to see each other. And, and now I'm happy to like move forward. Whereas during that date, I really couldn't see it escalating. Yeah. Um, until, you know, we flipped it a little bit, but you did the right <clears> thing. <throat> There's a valuable lesson to be learned there, which is instead of just being like, fuck you, this person sucks and kicking them out. You were like, okay, let's just like think critically for a second. There's probably a little bit of like a wall. That needs yeah. To be broken down. There was this interesting book. I was, I think it's called mind wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and his kind of thesis in the book is that we overestimate our ability to read other people yes. and read what they're thinking. And yes. like, we're not actually factoring in where they're coming from, especially if we don't know them well. Mm-hmm. And, so we assume that we know exactly what's happening. Yeah. So if this guy is like listing off country clubs and uh, people he knows and who his ex-girlfriend is, who's this model and da, 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 da. Like, I'm just like, oh, you're full of yourself. Yeah. That's like your first impulse to yeah. read it that way. You're not actually thinking like, oh, this guy hates himself. Right. And, like is having a really hard time opening up and being himself. Um, so. Yeah, I'm trying, I took from that book, like I am trying to like slow down and like read between the lines and not always assume I know exactly what's happening. Yeah, of course. Smart. So next question, strangest client requests. Sometimes I get like oddly specific wardrobe requests, but nothing too shocking. Um, the weirdest booking request I've ever had, someone wanted to fly me to his very small hometown in the middle of no nope. i don't know if that's rude to say <laughs> we're from new york please it's not rude Everyone, new york or nowhere whatever um, everyone's small compared to your and he wanted me to he was gonna leave his door unlocked to his home and he wanted me to let myself in and rob him <laughs> um of i don't know if i should be this specific um i mean i guess it, it has nothing to do with his name um he gave me like detailed instructions of like where to find his money. And, you know, he had money and like gold coins and they were like, I don't know anything about the value of like collector's coins. Yeah, of course. Um, and so he was very disappointed when he wanted to go through my bag and he saw that I <laughs> stole the cheap coin. <laughs> I don't like, I didn't know he what I was looking at. Research. My God. Yeah, I guess I should have researched, but like, no, I how would you have time to, to collect, do that? Like, research all of the collectible coin value? <laughs> uh, absolutely nobody. Did he tell you in advance? I just grabbed like the heaviest one, which I guess makes no sense, but. <laughs> That's what I would do. They were like gold heavy coins. I was like, these look expensive. Yeah, of course. And he's like, you didn't get the ancient Greek ones? And I was like, <laughs> it was dark. I but did he <laughs> specify in his email to you that A, you would be dealing with gold coins and like B, that the objective was for you to steal as many as possible? Was he like, no, clear it, about was, that? it was a little bit vague. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was a bizarre situation, but uh, that is one where like I have so much respect for women who work in dungeons or like the BDSM community because like it's such a mind game and oh, you yeah. really quickly have to figure out what someone wants. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, there's a level of like you're a bit of a psychic if you can do that well. Um I think I can read people pretty well through conversation, but when, you know, in a situation like that, they want you to know. And uh, so that kind of like creative role play, you know, fantasy, figure out my kinks. I don't know if that's for me. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to be able to like, you know, fulfill someone's fantasy that way but i always find it very stressful because i'm just worried i'm gonna get it wrong it is stressful and like regardless of whether or not you're like you know afraid of rejection or whatever i mean like how never having met the person or like not really having an intimate relationship with them and having such a niche specific thing to do who who Mm -hmm. would know who would know in that situation also like not dollar bills gold coins you know right (laughs) well and i just yeah i don't know i think I'm sure there are so many women who could like go out there and knock that out of the park, knowing exactly what he wanted and how to play it. Um, I think I'm a little too like polite and cautious to rob someone <laughs> in a kink environment. <laughs> well, that's my dream scenario. And now that I've been uh, warned, I'm going to go home, obviously research this profusely. My grandma always <laughs> talks about these like valuable gold coins that she has in her apartment. We're convinced they're just like quarters from different states. But like, <laughs> if she does have, <laughs> if she does have some valuable coins and I learn about that, then like, maybe you can call me next time. Well, the thing that was funny about it was he wanted me to give them back at the end. And they were, I just joked. <laughs> and I was like, am I supposed to like fight him on this? Like what would get, like, what does he want to happen? Am I supposed to just give them? Like I could, it was hard for me to tell like, when is, when are we playing and when are we not? So you robbed him and then he goes, and scene. No, and then you're no like, I wish he'd said and scene. Cause then I would know we were having a real conversation. So I fought him on it. I was like, <laughs> you know, so you didn't know like where the parameters I, I thought we were, were still in character. Oh my god, <laughs> that that's wild. Um, Did you go home with oh, any you know, coins? It also it got really confusing because there were the coins. Then he wanted me, he wanted to create almost like a strip club environment where I would like dance for him and he would like throw money at me. That's so not you. <laughs> and no, and then. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm here for six hours, I guess. Like, this is how we're killing yeah. the time. And I don't, at the end of the night, there was so much, like, we, like exchange of money that I was confused about what was mine and what was his. Of course. And he wanted to take back some of the dance tips. And I was like, no, 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 no. no, no. That's, not That's actual, like, manual labor. <laughs> like, you're not taking my money from that. Um, so, I think we had a little bit of, like, a tense back and forth about what that was. Um, and so, as I said in the beginning, it's a very special skill set to yes. be able to read exactly what's happening and be able to communicate those boundaries. And uh, I think I think I'm just more part of the straightforward GFE <laughs> community. Um, it sounds like this guy was better suited to hire somebody who was like a specialty, like Dom or like understood 100%. the submission yeah. fantasies. Right. And that's what we ended up talking about was I was like, <laughs> there are girls who would do this. Right. You're like, please don't hire me again. Thank you. This is great. In your mind, what makes a date with a client good? Personality is obviously like, 
if we can if we can have banter, if someone is kind of fun and can like laugh at themselves and like we can have a little bit of like repartee, that's always fun. Spontaneity is always very very fun to me. I have this one client who always books 24 hours because he just doesn't know how he's going to feel or how long he's going to want to hang out. Wow. And he just wants to like have full optionality to do whatever Hell he wants. Hell yeah. And sometimes that turns into 24 hours. Sometimes it's six and he's tired and needs to go home. And um, I like that kind of openness to like, let's see where the night goes. But yeah, it all boils down to like someone being like kind and funny and, you know, easygoing. Even if yeah. they're shy, like shyness is not an issue. It's shyness can be really cute, just as long as I you're like open minded. You yeah, know? definitely. And you know me; I actually do like shy guys. I don't like anyone who's like a bumbling idiot, but like, <laughs> but I do like guys who are. I know. <laughs> I respect it, um, but guys who like take a little bit as long more as you're time. Not as a bumbling narcissist. <laughs> Um, Listen, depending on how many drugs I've consumed, I can sometimes be a bumbling narcissist. <laughs> um, but I've no. seen that. <laughs> Fuck you. The guys who are planners are often really sexy as well. Yeah. Like, it gets you excited for the date because they have all these ideas of what they want to do. And that's nice because, you know, spontaneity, spontaneity is fun when there are options. Yes. But in New York, sometimes you need a plan. <laughs> yes. Or a reservation or multiple reservations right. to choose So, from. like, it's nice when someone, like, three weeks out is, like we could do this or this or this. And you get to like plan it together and come up with something really fun. Someone wants to know, has a girlfriend or a wife ever gone after you? No. One wife did what I thought was like a very subtle, classy way of (laughs) making herself known. She filled in my booking form on my website, but the only thing she put in was her email, which was her full name. Part of my booking form, you can suggest a city to tour. And she just selected her hometown. Mm. It was so subtle. I was like, wow. wow. Like, we stand a legend. If you're, like, you're going to get in touch, like that is a pretty How chic way to do, do it. it. <laughs> like, she wears the row. She didn't, she didn't, yeah. <laughs> she didn't say anything angry or mean or like spiteful. She's just like, I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm watching. And I'm watching in my wool and cashmere. Thank you very much. Right. Like liking an Instagram photo would have been too friendly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because that would have been giving you validation. Right. But, but she, didn't, she didn't even write a message. She just said, yeah, you try coming back. That's then. honestly hot. I'd probably masturbate to that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people want to know some of your wildest stories. So I guess we can rephrase that as like, aside from the gold coin robbery, um, <laughs> is there anything that really sticks out to you as being like an out of the ordinary experience? And I think I'm particularly invested in this because I know that nothing really shocks you anymore. But is there anything that was just kind of like, right, wow, like, I forgot about the gold coin story. Why? So like, sometimes I worry that when I when I answer these questions, I'm like, maybe I'm just a boring escort. But like, I just actually <laughs> can't. I just don't have like a Rolodex for like the craziest moments. But that's what I love about you is that every <laughs> single time I see you, which I want to like let all the listeners know is more often than not in like a very like casual, normal, fun environment. Like we eat dinner, we drink, we do some drugs, you know, whatever it is. And the fact that you would even think to describe yourself as boring as hysterical because your signature is that you always show up well-dressed. Even if we've been partying really hard, like you're showing up in a dress, you're showing up in the heels, your hair is blown out, the makeup's on, like the appearance is always there. But 
What I love about hanging out with you, aside from the fact that I love you, is that you're like me in the sense that every time I see you, there's a new story. There's <laughs> always a new experience of some place that you've gone, something that you ate or drank, some person that you met. And for me, I feel like my lifestyle can kind of overwhelm people because there's always something new. But you and I are similar in the sense that we're just, you constantly absorb so much stimuli that you're like, ah, oh, like, I don't know. I'm normal. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Okay, so the one story that, like, if someone asks me about something crazy, this one really does stand out in my mind, A, because it was early on in my career and I was still easily shocked, (laughs) and B, uh, it's never happened again. (laughs) Oh, I think I know what this one is. Um, So basically, I got an email from this dominatrix, and she asked if she could meet me for a drink to talk to me about a very important client, blah, blah, blah. It's a complicated booking. I need to talk to you in person. I checked her out. She was legit. Um, So I agreed to meet her. And she tells me that she has this billionaire client who has a spanking fetish. And she he hires her kind of as like the intermediate, but also dominatrix. And she goes out and sort of interviews girls to be potential invites to this spanking party. And it's never booked in advance. It's always like he gets the urge to watch some girls get spanked and like it needs to happen tonight. You know? <laughs> and she and when went, you're a billionaire, you can make that happen. Right. And she was like, I would highly suggest even if you're out of town, you get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> like she's like, I will call you and like you should come. Um, and it was like, it felt like a spy operative. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a movie. <laughs> she, and so she basically, uh, t- you know, f- told me exactly what would happen, blah, blah, blah. And then a, f- a month or two months later, I can't remember how long she emails me and says, are you free tonight? 8 PM, this address. Um, and so I go, you, you know, he wants you full bombshell glam, uh, sort of like, so I, I tried to do like kind of like a film noir level of like, I had this agent provocateur, like corset dress that like zipped Hot. up the back and like had these sheer panels. And then I had the full like lingerie kit underneath. Um, and what the way the party goes, it's, it was only myself and another girl who was also very girl next door online. Um, and then there was the dominatrix. And what he wants is to watch the dominatrix spank us with all different tools. So he'll kind of call out like, all right, who's next kind of. And then one of us would get on his lap and, you know, bum up and we would get a hundred spankings. And That's a lot. But he would... um he would offer a price point for every hundred spankings. So the, the dominatrix had a clipboard and she would keep track of how much you'd earned. So the, it started out at like $500 for, for a hundred spankings. And so you'd get that and then the next person would get theirs and then he'd be like, I think it's time to take it up a notch. Now it's a thousand for every hundred spankings. And by the end of the night, you're getting like five grand for a hundred spankings. But they're cha- like, so he would choose like the price, the instrument and the girl, like every turn and so be like now i want to watch vivian get you know whipped um and you know there's like bottles of crystal and lines of cocaine on the coffee table and you're in this like crazy penthouse apartment which 
you know, I just started working a few months prior. So this was all very crazy to me. Um, and by the end of the night, I'd made $27,000. <laughs> and my ass, like, I had to sleep on my stomach. Did it balloon? I had to sleep on my stomach with frozen peas on each butt cheek. And when I got up, I looked like a Kardashian. Like, my ass was like four times its normal size. And it was like black and blue. Um, it was funny that like, the girl, the girl who I'd been booked with, had an assistant. She was more established than I was. And she was like, here, take these Arnica pills. Like Arnica is good for bruising. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was nuts. Then his, so he wrote his checks. Yeah. His accounts got frozen the next week because his wife told, like they were, I guess they were going through a divorce and she got him, she got all his accounts frozen so that she could prove he had like offshore money. Oh my God. I verified all of this. With a quick Google search. Yeah. <laughs> With the tabloid. Um, yeah. But it took, it took like close to a year to get all of the money. He kept paying me in like piecemeal. In tiny increments. Yeah. So it was lucrative, but it was so much work to get paid. Yeah. The, the thing that was funny about it was he would like stroke your hair as you were being spanked and like tell, oh, go easy on her. Oh, go easy. And it's like, you're paying for this to happen right. to me. Like, don't <laughs> pretend you care. <laughs> So I know that people want to hear more about like sex details, but on the show, obviously, we're all about taboo. And I actually think that even more than, you know, what you do for a living is the concept of money. And I think I've talked about this in previous episodes leading up to this one, like money is such a taboo topic, especially a woman who makes money and is not ashamed of the money that she makes. Um, so somebody wants to know... How do you find the confidence to charge such high prices and genuinely feel like you're worth it? That feels like a neg. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know that they're commenting on your appearance so much as like, I don't know. Where where do you get the nerve? Where do you get the nerve? I don't know. I'm going to act as translator here. And I'm going to say that like, I think as women in society, like we all kind of have, maybe you don't, but we all kind of have a hard time like asking for what we want and what we feel like we deserve. And as opposed to like, you know, showing up to an office where it's like, cool, I have skills in like X, Y, and Z. Therefore, based on market research, I'm going to charge you this. I feel like in the sex work industry, it's kind of like, here's what I look like. Here's what I have to offer both physically and emotionally. Here's what I deem myself to be worth. And I will say like that does take like a certain amount of self-assuredness. Honestly, it's it's a pretty cut and dry answer. It's not like a philosophical. That's like, fine. You know. Uh I did not have the confidence to charge such high rates. I started in at about half what I charge now for the first hour. Um, specific, well, in large part because I felt like if I tried to match the highest rates, I would be like stepping on toes. Mm. So I felt as like a nod to like the elders in the industry. I needed to, to kind of respect my yeah, elders. like take it take it down a notch, not like go in hot. And then there was this great thing. I mean, this doesn't really happen anymore in the industry because so many people have been outed by other girls that there's you know now kind of a fear of meeting new people. Um, but when I first started, there were these like escort brunches, mm. and someone would just like send out a DM, like kind of a mass DM to all the girls they knew in New York. And you could invite other people. It was pretty open to the public. Um, 
And we'd, we would get like a reservation for 15 people at some restaurant. We'd get like the private room or something. And it was a great way to meet other girls and da da da. And so at one of them, I was sat next to one of the women in the industry who, you know, I looked up to and she charged some of the top rates that I had found online. And we got along, we hit it off, kept, you know, got to know each other over brunch. And she really encouraged me to raise my rates. And that just sort of gave me the green light. I felt like I had like her blessing, like her saintly <laughs> blessing. And I was like, okay, if she says so. Oh, someone got kidnapped. I thought I said, maybe Amber Lawrence like pushed through silent mode. I don't know. I think I turned mine off because I'm a bad person. Oh. Um, okay. Well. Oh my God. I don't even get the notification. <laughs> like, wow. You know what it is? Amber alerts are usually like ex-husband like takes kid from oh, home right. which like, don't get me wrong is fucked up but like it's not like but kid. also we live in new york city like i'm not gonna look out for every right exactly everyone's like a white chrysler van i'm like hello there's 700 of those yeah on the street. <laughs> like yellow taxi you're like <laughs> yeah. can't help you <laughs> Tall man in sweatshirt, like, uh, <laughs> fine. Maybe I'm going to hell for not caring about this, but honestly, I was going to hell anyway, so what's the diff? Um, sorry, where were we? Um, Getting the blessing. Where, where I get off with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what they meant. I mean, maybe it's what they meant. But But also, like, note on setting your prices. Like, whenever I was busy, I would raise them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, if I was turning down work because I was too busy, I would raise them. We call that supply and demand. (laughs) And there have been times where, like, demand was low. So I did not raise them. (laughs) It's the way you want to work. I have no issue with the concept of high volume, but I think high volume works particularly well for women who are part-time in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you're a full-time student and you really, you have narrow windows of availability. So if you have narrow windows when you can work as an escort, you have to charge less so that you have more demand so that you can just like pop someone into that two-hour window of your free time. Um, So just because someone's at a lower rate doesn't mean that they are not just as gorgeous or, you know, cultured or intelligent. So moving on to sex, the next biggest taboo thing behind money. Um, somebody wants to know, in your experience, what contributes to good sex? I think sometimes guys get way too in their head, and I'm sure women do as well. But I think there's more of a pressure on men to be, like, good in bed. I think that, like, you don't hear... I don't feel like I've ever felt pressure to be good in bed. <laughs> like, well, I think what women can get away like, with is do being you do a, it or not. Like, right. <laughs> it's, have you ever heard the term pillow princess? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I hadn't until somebody like submitted that to one of my anonymous confession boxes on my Instagram story. And I was like, what is this? And then I was like, this is me. Like, but I've been told like, I've had one specific client request that I be a fellow princess. Like that's all they wanted. Getting Um, paid for that. But it's like, I don't think that like, it's pretty, maybe not rare, but like, like the expectation that like, you're really good at like this position or this, it's almost like, it always seems like the woman is the receiver and like the man, like in terms of like the way people critique people's performance yeah you rarely hear a woman's sexual performance critiqued it's yeah like, the guys are like i scored you know but yeah, like, they don't yeah. say how it went They're yeah it's always like, about like what their body looks like or it's like maybe like i think that like men value like a woman who comes a lot yeah or like she's sensitive she was into it yeah whatever. yeah but like it's never about like i never hear guys talking about what like an amazing 
cowgirl she did you know i don't i'm trying to think if i ever hear guys be like oh like her rhythm is like so on point or like (laughs) i've heard the general phrase like this is so vulgar but like she's good at riding dick like i've I've heard things like that but like mostly from people in like my age bracket who are just like horny and gross but that's the one phrase that i've heard referring to women or like good at a blowjob but yeah, sure. Now? I've heard they're good at giving head, but um, I don't know. I do think we get a lot less pressure to be yeah. like, quote unquote, good. Yeah. I think a lot of guys get way too in their head because of the societal pressure to be like good. Um, and so some guys are like fumbling because I can tell they're really nervous and they're trying way too hard. Like they're trying to like pull out too many tricks mm. and like weird positions. Yeah. Someone wants to know, this is a big generalization, but what are most men's greatest turn-ons aside from a perky pair of tits? I mean, some guys love little tits. Yeah, I mean, little tits can be perky. They can be perky. Um, so, I mean, I am not, just because I do this does not mean I'm an expert on men. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm shocked. Sometimes people ask me questions and I'm like, like, like someone, babe, I'm a human. I don't know. Someone in this list asked, like, how to get married. And I was like, I'm so Yeah, old. someone was like, <laughs> like, how should I know? Wait, where's that question? Somebody was like, how do I become wifey? I'm usually the girl guys just want to fuck. I mean, I could give you my opinion, but I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> okay, so we'll come back to that. You'll give the opinion. But, um, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about... Um, Turn-ons. I think most men enjoy having their cock praised. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm very turned on when someone compliments my body, not necessarily my, my vagina, but yeah. like... If someone is like going on and on about my body, that would turn me on because yeah. it would make me feel confident. Yeah. And I think men... More than hearing about their abs or their quads they just or whatever, want to hear they're hearing about their cock. Yeah. Although I'm very into arms, mm. and I will like go on and on about someone's arms if yeah. they have like big beefy arms. Um, honestly, like pick a point, like pick something you like about someone and gush about it. Like if you really like something about someone, don't hold back. Everyone likes hearing nice things about themselves. So we got a couple of questions where people wanted to know about kind of your stance on like feminism and whether or not you saw your job as being feminist. Uh, because some would argue that, you know, we live in a capitalist society and you're making money and that's fantastic. And other people argue that by essentially selling yourself, you are taking the women's rights movement a couple steps back. Uh, I try to avoid being overtly political on this show. I do like being controversial, though. And so more than anything, I wonder, like, how does your... Do you think about this? And how does your job make you feel in that specific uh, lens? Um, I don't have a soapbox to preach from. Um, If sex work makes you feel empowered and confident and gives you a better life, that's empowering. If it makes you feel bad about yourself, if you're ever questioning yourself within that, if it's making, you know, then, then it's wrong for you. But I will say that it's given me a much better life. When I, before I was Vivian, I was working as, um, I was working for a photo agency. I was working in production and I had an ulcer and I was constantly stressed out. I was constantly anxious and not sleeping enough and not making enough money to do any of the things I wanted to do with my free time. I now have this life where I have 
freedom and autonomy and I can help other people in my life who need help. And I'm also like in rooms with the CEOs of very big companies who are intimidated by me. And if that's not empowering, I don't really know what else would empower me. So to each his own, you know, I'm very live and let live on this topic. If you, if you think that sex work is, you know, ruining the world for women, all I can say is it's making my world yeah. a lot better. <laughs> um, so yeah, I will take the soapbox for a second if you don't want to. And I'll say that I don't particularly uh, identify with the very popular mainstream idea of like what a quote unquote good feminist is. But I do think that it's detrimental to the feminist movement to suggest that one size is supposed to fit all for all women. And I also think in my personal opinion that sex work is not in all cases, especially not when it's not consensual, but in the case of consensual high paying sex work, despite the fact that it's 2021, we still live in a society where women are objectified and sexualized against their will every single day. Whether you're in the conference room, you're on the street, you're in the boardroom, you're in the bedroom, wherever you are. We have all as a society been conditioned to notice a woman's beauty and her sex appeal before anything else. So you can be the smartest bitch on the planet, but most likely people are still going to be seeing like how you fill out a blouse. And I think that there's something that's just really tremendous about women who say, okay, I understand that this is a circumstance of modern life. I understand that this is going to happen to me no matter what I do, how many degrees I get, what other positions I put myself in. I am actually going to stay one step ahead and reclaim my power by offering myself in this way rather than having it taken from me unwillingly. And I actually know quite a few women who have overcome sexual trauma through sex work. Because in reclaiming their ability to say yes or no, in reclaiming their sense of self-worth and that, as you say, that that kind of power, that in some cases control that you can have over a person who is paying you, it helps to kind of exercise, and I say that with an O and not an E, you know, exercise these demons that you may have had where you feel powerless in the face of men. So I like you don't want to turn this into a huge episode that's like all about what feminism should mean. But from my POV, I, I think it's wrong for any woman to try to be telling another woman, like not only how she should be making money, but how she should be achieving her sense of self-worth and self-esteem. It's just not right. Well, I'll say two quick things about that as well. Um, first of all, if you're going to go after escorts for taking feminism back, I think you should talk to your friends in advertising first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, get, get girls. Drop <laughs> mine. Uh, Second, um, I know a lot of women in the industry who are pursuing advanced degrees, PhDs, because they're able to afford yes. to support their lives as students and, you know, do it in relative comfort and, you know, finish these like grueling degrees where they wouldn't have time to have a full-time job. Like getting a PhD is a full-time job. And yeah. I've dated people getting full-time, getting PhDs and you get like a pretty small salary to, you know, hold you over. And if you're living in a city like New York, and especially if you're getting old, like, 
you need to start saving at a certain point. Like not everyone has the family finance plan to pursue an education yeah. and working in sex work gives you freedom over like control over your schedule and a chance to make more money per hour. And it, it can allow you to pursue a better life and a bigger career. Yeah. And on top of that, you meet a lot of powerful people yes. when you're <laughs> who can, maybe they're not able to like, help you network or anything, but they can give you amazing advice and help you grow and manage your finances. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Feminism is about choice. Y'all, um, let us all have the choice. Somebody wants to know, do you have real relationships outside of sex work? Real is like, quote unquote. Um, if so, how do you make them work? And are all of your relationships considered open because of the nature of your work? Um, that's a good question. I, I do. Per- also, everything I say, I should put an asterisk in front of. This is my life. I'm not yeah. trying to be the spokesperson for escorts. Yes. Like everyone comes at this from a very different angle. People do things differently. This is just my answers about myself. Yes. Um, yes, I do date. Um, I've had successful long-term relationships. It was a guessing game when I started about like when to tell people, um, how to handle it, how to maneuver it. But, um, I've gotten to a point where I, I have a rule if I go on dates and I like someone, I might suss them out for the first date and maybe even the second one. But by the third date, I want them to know what I do for work. Ideally, I'll feel comfortable enough with them that I could tell them on the first date. But the thing I worry about is, is them assuming that they know everything about me based mm. on the fact that I'm a sex worker, like yeah. kind of jumping to conclusions the same way you might have like assumptions about a finance bro. And I dated someone for five years who I told him within that time frame, and he was on board and wasn't threatened by it. And I asked him if he wanted to be open because I understood that like I'm going on dates with other people, even if it's part of my work. And he he was just like, well, it's different, right? Like when we're together, it feels different. And I was like, yeah. And he just trusted me to kind of be open with him about where I was with everything. And it worked out really well. And we broke up for completely, actually his work probably had more to do with why we broke up than mine. (laughs) He was extremely patient and supportive. I couldn't deal with his work schedule. (laughs) Has there ever been a point in your life where you've encountered so many people who have been like, I can't handle this, or I don't approve of this, that it's ever made you not want to date? traditionally, whether that's been like overall or just for a particular period of time. The only time I had that feeling was like when I was first in New York and first figuring it out and I didn't really know how to explain it. And I also wasn't established. That was when I was kind of just doing uh, sugar daddy stuff on the side of my day job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to be open with people about it. And so I would tell them on the first date because I was trying to be super honest. And (laughs) but like no one was calling me back after the first date. And so I was like complaining to my mom about how hard dating in New York was. And she was like, maybe don't tell everyone what you do. (laughs) Just like, make sure you like them. And it was true. I was telling people before I even knew if I wanted to see them again. Yeah. And even just by like not telling someone till the second date, I noticed a big difference in reaction. Yeah. And I think that there's actually a valuable lesson to be learned here for 
any person in a dating situation, I think, you know, the nature of human existence is to want to connect and find someone and not feel alone. But I think boundaries are important no matter who you are and what you do for a living. Like, None of us should be showing up on a first date and dumping all of our trauma and talking about our therapy sessions and getting into like the nitty gritty of what our family life is like. I think you need to show up and like suss someone out and be like, is this person worthy not only of my time, but of my energy? Like, should I let them in in that way? So now we're going to move on to a section about tips. Lots of people asking for tips and tricks. Um, let's start with flirting. Do you flirt? Is that a big part of your... Your job? Um, I'm actually more curious to like what people who know me would say about that. I don't think I'm that flirtatious. Um, I love banter and I like, I think I came from a home that was very like lots of practical jokes and teasing. And if I'm laughing a lot, I think I'm flirting. Like I think yeah. it's, there's a lot of roasting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can pull off the like canned pickup lines. Yeah. I mean, I also think that there's like this manufactured idea of like a flirtatious woman. I mean, look, I know some of these women who hand on the leg and whispering into your ear and they reek of perfume and, you know, they just kind of like overwhelm you and all of your senses. But for me, if I'm ever looking to, this sounds bad, but make a conquest, I think that having a sense of humor is like the ultimate aphrodisiac. And like, if you can banter with somebody and you, you kind of mash in that humorous way, that's a pretty easy way to get somebody interested in you or get somebody into bed with you. Also just asking questions. I was going to say active listening. Like I think that showing interest yes. in someone is... Maybe not as playful as like the common idea of flirtation, but sh- like everyone loves to talk about themselves. Of like, course. And even if you don't know, that's not true. Not everyone loves to talk about themselves. But I will say that it feels good whether you want to talk about yourself or not. That people are curious. It feels nice to like have someone showing real interest in you. Yes. And so if you feel awkward on dates or you don't feel like you're a naturally flirtatious person, just ask questions. Yes, I agree. And that's the best compliment that I've ever gotten, or at least I see it as a compliment is people are always like, wow, like you really listen. And I do. I'm not going to yeah, waste my, my breath asking questions if I don't care. I'm like obsessed mm-hmm. with people and how they work. And so I ask a lot of questions. Occasionally, people can be a little put off by my intensity if I'm like asking <laughs> too many questions too quickly. But for the most part, you know, obviously everyone wants to hear that they're sexy and beautiful, but like somebody being, you know, really being like, wow, I can tell that you really listen. I'm like, good. I'm happy that that translates. I think it's a really good tool to have in your back pocket if you're someone who is like anxious getting to know new people. Because if you don't have anything to say, it's like, why are we so focused on what we have to say? Yeah. Why don't you just like exert a little more curiosity? Like yes. get to know the other person. Maybe the other person has something to say. Yeah. Maybe they're smarter <laughs> than you. Maybe yeah. they're more interesting than you. God forbid. (laughs) Um, You mentioned enjoying threesomes. Somebody wants to know opinions on how to make a threesome work successfully, because that is notoriously very difficult. There are different types of threesomes. I guess the one that I could give the most useful advice on is if you're kind of going in as the unicorn, which as Vivian, I usually am. But the best thing that I can do before a date with a couple is to set up a phone call with the the woman 
presuming it's like a hetero couple. And that just sort of, I, I get on and it's usually like a five minute call where I try to like feel out her comfort level because the worst thing that could happen is if I show up and she's just frosty and doesn't want to be there oh. and feels like I'm there to like steal her man or yeah, something, you yeah. know, um, I want it to be something that it's fun and they're both looking forward to it and we can all have a good time. And so calling helps to just filter that. And then sometimes like, the woman is excited, but she's really nervous. And so that call just helps like solidify us as like friends and we're on the same team. And like, I'm not going to do anything to like yeah. stab her in the back, yeah. you know, be a home wrecker. Yeah. And I think it, I don't, like, it's just crazy since I've started doing that, how much more comfortable I've felt going into these dates. And the other thing, like, if you're, an, if, if, if that's not the scenario, I think just con- like really looking out for whoever isn't actively involved, you know, sometimes like, two of you are getting it on and the other one's sort of, sort of watching. I think just like reaching out and touching that person mm. or like making an effort to bring them in, like never letting someone feel like the third wheel for longer than like, you know, 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so communication and distribution of affection. Yeah. Equally. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, <laughs> Blowjob tips. Different men like different things. Like I've heard from some men, they like it a lot wetter and some guys don't like that and you know there's no across the board answer but i guess i could talk about what i generally do yeah i think works well um i think eye contact yeah is like a huge part of it really taking your time in those first 30 seconds few minutes whatever to like long eye contact like slow strokes like really taking your time um sets up a lot of tension after that it's a lot of like alternating for me like alternating from suction to like licking and then like licking up and down the shaft and then licking around the tip while like making a lot of eye contact and like alternating between like making it really wet and then like using a little bit of hand on the tip and and if you notice that any one of those things really resonates yeah. then like doing more <laughs> of that i guess but yeah i think that's and then I feel like almost all men love to have attention paid to their balls. Yeah. I will say that for me, I think the the most important ingredient is passion. Um, the best feedback I've ever gotten. And again, apologies to my parents if they're listening to this show, but really having like a genuine enjoyment for what you're doing, that translates right mm-hmm. away. I think a lot of women see giving blowjobs as a chore or they see it as something that like they have to do to please their partner or like they don't want to do it. And the classic move of like somebody taking their hand and putting it on your head and like pushing your head down, which is the most degrading thing on planet earth. Men listening, please don't do that. Um, But I think that really having like a, a zest for the (laughs) act of giving a blowjob. And, you know, with that comes eye contact and taking things slowly. It's the same way that you mentioned that men... being vocal as well. Yeah, of course. And, you know, men um, really enjoying a woman who's enjoying herself in bed, even though in the situation of giving a blowjob, you're kind of the provider, like the same thing applies. If it seems like you're really enjoying yourself, um, that takes you real far. I think it goes both ways, though. Like if someone is going down on me, it can sometimes be hard to relax if I don't know them super well. Yeah. And But if the guy is like going for it and he's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That is extremely hot. Yeah, to it's me. so hot because like my worst fear is like, oh my god, like is he tired? Like does oh, his does mouth? He, yeah, hurt? is he like wishing I'd become already? Like exactly. And the more you're overthinking that, like the less you're focusing on how good it feels. And so, yeah, both people, any giver needs to show active enjoyment of giving. <laughs> yes, everyone just show so much enjoyment. Don't make it like porn level, but you know, a little compliment goes a long way. Um, so in conclusion. Someone wants to know, do you ever plan on marrying and having kids? And will you stop working in this industry at that point? Um, I really have no idea. I'm very open to any outcome. Honestly, like I love kids. I was a nanny for a long time, but I've never felt like a deep need to like see my own DNA in action. (laughs) (laughs) If it happens, I I think I'll be fine with it. Like clearly I'll be fine with it. So I've decided to make it happen. Um, but it's not something that I fantasize about necessarily. Like I, I do, I do find myself watching a lot of like t- babies on TikTok, but I don't. But like, that's because like those are like the funniest moments from the internet. Like I don't walk down the street and like pinch babies' cheeks or anything. So yeah, I think it would really just depend on like the person I got really serious with. I, I'm not opposed to marriage. I don't think I would want a big white wedding. The idea of having to do like a father daughter dance in front of everyone I know seems very honestly cringy. gross. Yeah, um, a lot of parts of weddings really gross me out. Like if I was going to have a wedding, John Waters would officiate, lit, and it would be more of like a party than anything else. No speeches, no toasts. I'm a very affectionate, romantic person, but I don't really like like public sentimentality. Well, that's what I was going to say is that like a good romance is not meant to be for public consumption. And I right. think that part of what's so cringy about weddings is that you're like shoving your romance and like by proxy, like sexual chemistry down a bunch of people's throats, which is foul. Do you have another career in the works when you retire from sex work? I love the idea of opening a hotel at some point. Um, even just like a bed and breakfast type situation. I need to look more into like the profit margins and, you know, the viability of that. But I have, I have a girlfriend who has really similar taste and um, we've talked about the possibility of doing something like that down the line. I've been working on a couple of like city guide type situations. I have no idea if there's any money in that. It's more of a passion project. (laughs) At the moment, I'm just trying to like manage my money well and like invest in things that will hopefully take care of me down the road. (laughs) You are so equipped to work in hospitality or in travel because of your intimate knowledge of those two industries through your current job. And I I am definitely not about to pretend like I know how much money you could make through like having a successful guidebook, but like think about the wallpaper guides or like the lost in guides. Mm -hmm. Like I think that in this day and age, a lot of it has to do with uh, like sponsorships and the brands that you work with. But like, bitch, if anyone is equipped to do that, it's you. (laughs) Last question, which I think is a fantastic place to end. Someone wants to know, how do I live the life I want without worrying about judgment? I don't think that is a switch you can just flick on or off. But I will say that cutting judgmental people out of your life helps a lot. Like even my childhood best friend, I went to visit her and I opened up about what I did for work. Um, And, you know, she now is like married, has two kids, goes to church. And she had this like kind of disgusted reaction. And I just never spoke to her again. And like for me, it's just, I know for a lot of people, it would be really difficult to cut someone like that out of their lives. For me, my 
happiness and my ease with which I move through life is much more important. So I think it's it's going to take like an, a willingness to to end certain friendships and make new ones that are more supportive. Yes. <laughs> and take chances. Viv and I are friends because I cold emailed her <laughs> and basically said at the end of my email, do you want to be friends? And thank God she said yes. Thank you so much for allowing me and us to put you in the hot seat. You have done amazingly. You are fascinating, bright, deeply intellectual, always a delight. I love you so much. And um, I know everyone else is going to as well. Yay, it's been fun. Yay, I love it. Yay, it's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so enthusiastic. You're just like, yeah, I guess. Once again, my name is Allie Weiss, and this has been Tales of Taboo. If any of you listening have had similar experiences and are interested in sharing them with me under the indestructible shield of anonymity, please reach out. You can DM me on Instagram at Allie Weiss World, or you can send me an email, which honestly is preferable at AllieWeissWorld at gmail.com. Weiss is spelled W-E-I-S-S. Love letters, hate notes, complaints, death threats, anything else you have can be sent to that email address. And listen, real talk, I know it's extremely annoying when podcast hosts ask you to subscribe and share with your friends and leave a star rating and a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts, but it really does make a huge difference. I am a one-woman show. The show is not easy to make, and I believe so much in what I'm doing. Every review that I have on iTunes makes it easier for other people to find and love this show too. And if you love my work, I never ask you for a fucking dime. The least you can do is please leave me a review. Even if you want to say that I have the ugly eyebrows on the face of the earth and my voice sounds like Fran Drescher's, whatever, just leave it. Um, But seriously, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening, for your interest in this topic. And I am looking forward to seeing and hearing you next week. Bye.